Welcome to the pilot episode of XPod2, the podcast for the Exponent 2 community. In this episode, the hosts introduce themselves, Heather, Carol Ann, and Ramona. We explain the purposes of our podcast, what makes us different than other feminist Mormon podcast humor. Welcome to the podcast XPod2. We are part of Exponent2, the feminist um, magazine, retreat, and blog featuring voices of Mormon women and gender minorities everywhere along the LDS Mormon spectrum. We're excited to introduce the podcast. My name is Carol Ann. I live in the Midwest. I'm a parent to two, partner to one. Uh, I'm one of the managing editors of the Exponent2 magazine. I'm also on the board. Um, and meet my fellow co-host, Ramona. Hi, everyone. Good morning, good evening, good night, and wherever you are listening to this from. My name is Ramona. I am a blog representative for Exponent, and I am from the island of Barbados. I am a marriage and family studies student pursuing my bachelor's. Almost done, guys. Almost done. Um, and I am sassy by nature. Anybody who knows me knows that. Um, the only single one of the group. So I bring my own spin on dating, LDS dating, all the horror stories that come with it, and all of my experience of being the convert to the church. So I'll introduce you to Heather now. Hi, I'm Heather Sundahl, and I live in Provo, Utah. Yes, and I put Provo in provocative. Um, I am a marriage and family therapist. I just graduated with my degree. And I love Exponent. I have been an Exponent woman since 1996. And I currently am serving as the historian, which basically means I try to remember all the gossip and all the tea and all the stories and where the bodies are buried. So that's sort of my job. And you may be asking yourself, why another podcast? Why another Mormon feminist podcast? Well, um, I don't know if we really can answer that question, but we want, we want to bring some fun. We want to be the intersection of feminism and fun. And we don't think that that has fully been explored. So what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about. So if Ramona has some really cringy story about, um, is her hair in fact in compliance with BYU-Idaho dress standards, we might talk about that. Um, Carol Ann could talk about what's going on with the paper or what's happening where she's living or what it's like to have these brand new babies. Um, I might tell you some funny stories about grad school, tell ward stories, whatever. We might talk about the blog, current events. So it's all up for grabs and we would love to have input, what people want to hear about, what people want to discuss. And we'll also have guest, guest, guest speakers. Guest, 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 on the podcast. Yeah. From the magazine, yes. from the blog, artists, writers, um, people from some of the founding members, um, Heather, we've talked about like doing some back in the day. So we remember our, our history as well. Uh, like Heather gave the example, which I only learned recently that at one point women couldn't pray in sacrament meeting mm -hmm. yep. and that didn't change too long ago. So keeping our history so that we know 
when things were taken and when things were given and what we can reclaim or ask for more. Absolutely. Heather's also working on a book for Exponent. Do you want to talk about that for a moment? Yeah, we're doing Katie Rich and I, my co-author. It is 50 years of Exponent. Exponent turns 50 next year. Uh, it was started in 1974. A group of women in Cambridge, Massachusetts were working on creating a series of institute classes that dealt with Mormon, Mormon women and Mormon women in history. And there really wasn't hardly anything done. And so they were researching in this one um, woman, she went into the Harvard Widener library and was going through the stacks and came across the original women's exponent, which was a paper sort of the, it wasn't relief society affiliated, but it was a Mormon women paper. And it was all about, it was a bunch of things. You had suffrage next to like tips for house cleaning and, um, it was very global minded. Um, and so when they discovered that, that group of women thought, you know what, we need a magazine, we need a paper, we need some way to kind of speak across um, the country, across the world. And so the exponent was born, exponent two. Very cool. And something I learned too, is it was kind of a mix, like, and why it happened in the seventies was it was part of it was like, wait, where are Mormon women with the second wave feminism? Um, and then, yeah, I love that, that, that it sprouted from there. I found out about, about Exponent 2 because I moved to Cambridge. My like first weekend I moved in with a roommate, she was like, bye, I'm going to this retreat. And I was like, okay. And then I learned about it later and I was like, wait, what is this group? Um, so I learned about Exponent 2 because I was living in the Cambridge, Massachusetts area. Ramona, I'd love to hear how you heard about Exponent 2. I found out about Exponent on a Facebook group. Mm. And I can't remember off the top of my head which Facebook group it was right now. But I remember seeing a comment from another person of color. And she was talking about some of the experiences she had had in the church. And I started to write in the comment section about mine. And mm. someone from Exponent reached out to me. And mm. I can't remember who because it's, it's feel, it feels like if I've been writing for Exponent for an eternity... Um, but that is how I started and bit by bit, <laughs> they keep pulling me in. There's no escape and I <laughs> love every minute of it. Aww. So Ramona, we have a, we have a term for that. When we see women who we think are amazing, who we want to be doing more, I mean, maybe for exponent, but, but also just women that we think this person has a voice, more people need to hear their voice. We call that the tap. And I worked for Susan Madsen at the um, Utah Women in Leadership Project and did a lot of research that uh, men, like if a guy decides to run for mayor, it's not necessarily because a bunch of people came to him and said, oh my gosh, you would be the best mayor. Please run for mm -hmm. mayor. Men just wake up and they're like, I think I want to be mayor. But yeah. women, women need to be told by other people. Women need sort of either mm -hmm. literal or metaphoric, somebody take their finger and tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, Ramona, you are so interesting. You have a great voice. You're saying these fabulous things that are from a perspective that I just think is very fresh. Mm -hmm. Here's a platform. We would like you to do it. And sometimes it takes three taps before a woman will go ahead and say yes. And so mm -hmm. I'm always like, we just have to keep tapping people. We just, you know, have yeah. to keep saying, we need you. We need you. Please do it. So I'm yeah. so glad you did. 
yeah, I, I think I was not, I didn't play hard to get. I came <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Is it invitation? Is it stage of life? Is it, yeah, like self, self-esteem? Like, I think it could be, could be that mix of like, I can't do that or, yeah, no, that's such a great point about the tap. Um, yeah. Ramona, I'm glad you're here. Heather, yeah. how did you first hear about Exponent? So I moved to Belmont, Massachusetts in 1996. My husband was starting a graduate degree out there. And the very first week I moved in, Judy Dushku was the, her calling in the ward, it was, the ward was huge. And so they made up calling so that everyone would have a calling. And Judy Dushku's calling was substitute ward newsletter writer. So wow. if the regular newsletter writer wasn't around, then it was Judy's job. And so the person wasn't around. And so Judy was reaching out to the new people in the ward and she kind of, you know, interviewed them on the phone and she talked to me and we start talking and I start talking feminism and she's talking feminism and she's like, mm. oh my gosh, tap, tap, tap. You belong in Exponent. <laughs> yeah. And then a few days later, Linda Hoffman Kimball showed up at my door, tap, tap, tap. Hey, yeah. can I take you with me to um, a meeting? We're going to be, you know, reading some essays that are being submitted for this magazine. And just before I knew it, it was the women it was so interesting to me that the women who were the most friendly, the most welcoming were these exponent women. Mm. And it was mm. just lovely. And I've, I've, you know, never left since. Yeah. A question for you girls though. Do you feel like sometimes um, we're talking all about feminism right now. Do you feel like sometimes it's like an underground fight club sometimes? <laughs> because sometimes yeah. you're walking around at church and you're like, oh, obviously I know I'm a feminist. But then you're like looking at other women and you're like, is she a feminist? It's, yeah. yeah. Like, is she a feminist? And you're looking like around. And then as soon answer. as you hear like a particular statement from them, it's like, come here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's yeah. such a good point. Good question. Yeah. I feel like, because yeah, I, I feel like you, you have your public outing of like, maybe you're, you speak in church or you bear a testimony. People like, oh, she said Heavenly Mother. Oh, she referenced Exponent. Like, um, and I feel like then people get a taste for you and then because I, I, I hope I'm creating a space where people know that they can like say like ask me questions and what do you people try to convert me a little but I'm like no I'm okay and Caroline what do you think the other like little code the little drops are so you mentioned heavenly mother yeah what are the other ones that people instead of coming out and saying I'm a feminist what do you think are the other tells or the little signals Probably how they view LGBTQ people. Okay. How so they talk about LGBTQ. If people bring up queer things in a positive way in church, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. What else? I would also question? say the way that somebody gives their talk, you know that they're a feminist. Um, are they only that, quoting prophets or are they, are they trying to speak for themselves? Prophets? Are they quoting prophets? Are they quoting like Jake Okazaki heavily? Women? Are they like, like making sure that they have like all the you know like the running the running thing that you have for a talk like put two scriptures in like if mm. you don't have two scriptures in like if i hear somebody talk and i don't hear any scriptures i'm like okay she might be one of us <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's what they don't say mm. it's like what they yeah. don't say it's a good point yeah a really really good point and I, I and um to make this global again i think part of why we want to do this podcast is i think some people might feel alone in their ward if they're mm -hmm. still going to church or mm -hmm. if they've left the church still craving or missing community that is a yeah. nice thing that exponent two has been able to do is kind of create a space for 
wherever you are on your Mormon LDS spectrum. Yeah. We have women and gender minorities who are still going to church, people who are not, people who are in between, but still mm-hmm. like find community and, and connection. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's important. Um, like I converted when I was like 24 years old. That's a long time to be not in the church. Um, I feel like a lot of people get baptized at eight. They're like, oh yeah, I've been a member all of my life. And I know that I sound different from the average LDS woman that's walking around. I like, I speak like if I'm a Methodist LDS person because I've been Methodist for 24 years mm-hmm. and LDS for the rest of the time. Like, So I find that I struggle to find community because nobody talks like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, who mm. do I talk to about certain things? And it's like, there's nobody here. I'm all alone. Mm. And... And you can also tell, I love when people pray and they don't use the jargon. Mm. And I can, I often think to myself, I bet they're a convert. I bet they're an adult convert because this prayer is so thoughtful and it's lacking all the repetitions. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for moisture. Pray for moisture. Okay. You know what? I prayed for moisture and I'm a convert and I'm standing by it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, like moisture in the valleys. I when I was in Utah, like oh, for everybody listening, I was in Utah for three months in Mm -hmm. October to December, and after a while, you don't realize how much language kind of trickles its way in. I got home and I was like, "Oh, the rain is falling in Barbados, where I'm from," (laughs) and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, thank you, Lord, for the moisture." I was like, "No," (laughs) I was like, "No." I've been what, here too long. What oh. is it about that word that, that for know. many of us, it's really cringy? I don't know. There's some sexual connotations, but well, I, I, grew, I grew up, yeah, I, I mean, grew up with that. like pray for moisture in the valley. Yeah, in the <laughs> valley. So I grew up in Idaho where we like would pray, like there were droughts, like yeah. pray for moisture in the valley. I had um, uh, a few years ago, I was a Boston Temple ordinance worker and they had someone like come in to say the prayer and he prayed for moisture in the valleys. And so we like laughed about that afterwards. Yeah. Like, nope, he's, he lives in, he's from Utah. We don't need yeah. moisture in the valleys. In Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> no. Thank you, sir. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I call us the vain repetitions, the like yeah. nourish, yeah. strengthen our bodies. I feel like that one's kind of fading no. away. Angel mother. Uh, I can't handle uh, that one. Oh no. It's still going on. Oh. You, you might think that it's, it's going away, but let's say in the Caribbean where I'm from, you hear it all the way down here. It's it's trickling in. It's sticking around for a while. And sometimes I'm like, I'm like in the back pew of church rolling my eyes. Cause like, and Ramona, do you think people are doing it to signal that they're somehow using this language to show I'm part of the righteous fold? Like I, I yeah, mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you're saying, Oh my gosh, listen to me pray, listen to my talk, see how good I am. Give me a sticker, somebody. Tell mm-hmm. me I'm a good human. Mm-hmm. I'm oh I'm talking about that in exponent for a blog post or something, but Yeah. But like I I figure it's some sort of I don't want to say virtue signaling. It's like everybody mm-hmm. is saying, Oh, I'm good, tell me I'm good. Like fawn over me for yeah. doing the bare minimum. Well, I'm thinking about Eliza Wells. Uh, one of my friends wrote a piece um, that was in dialogue and then recently got highlighted by the Salt Lake Tribune and then Mormon Land, where she researched um, how people quote 
people in general mm-hmm. conference. Um, so like the big takeaways, nobody quotes women. <laughs> people quote David Brooks, a New York Times, a conservative New York Times columnist more often than women. Wow. And so it's so it's not even like, well, I was quite quoting priesthood leaders. It's like, no, yeah. we're quoting non-priesthood leaders more than we're quoting Mormon women. Um, and then so many people are only quoting President Nelson. Yes. And yeah. it's a way to show like whose team friend. you're on. Yep. Like, you know, covenant path. Covenant no, path. Covenant yeah, path. Covenant path. They'll quote a scripture that President Nelson says. Mm-hmm. You know, here is my beloved son, behold him, said President Nelson. Because right, yeah. Nelson quoted it. <laughs> right. And I guess, and I guess mm-hmm. after living through like two prophets now, I, I make it sound like if I'm a dinosaur by saying ha, that, like living no. through two prophets. Ha, but ha. like, um, I figure it's almost a way to say like, oh yeah, when I quote the the prophet that's here right now, it's kind of me saying, oh yeah, I support and I endorse the prophet. And it's, it is, after a while, I'm like, okay, what are your thoughts? What are your concerns? Yeah. The original guys. And speaking of quoting people, one of my favorite things is our Laurel Thatcher Ulrich, one of our founding mothers, Pulitzer Prize winner. It, you know, she came up with that phrase, um, well-behaved women seldom make history. And mm-hmm. you see that quoted everywhere, but it's rarely attributed to Laurel. Mm-hmm. It's misattributed. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's Eleanor Roosevelt. I saw Madonna. Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So I feel like lately she's like, maybe like with the internet getting better, like she's been able to like call it back or people have been able to be like, actually this person said that. But I think at the time when she wrote that Pete, that article, she didn't think that would be the fancy pull quote from it. No, but it's funny how that's exploded. Yes. On bumper stickers and the like. And it's often wrong. A girlfriend just went to London to see the coronation or, you know, see the streets. Right. Walked off during the coronation and she brought me home this ornament and it's velvet and gorgeous. And on it, it's stitched. Well-behaved women rarely make history. Ooh, instead of so seldom. It's, it's like a misquote. Oh. Mm. You know, so you, you get... As, as the ladies are wonderfully talking about the coronation, I'm sitting here gagging in the background. As a member of the Commonwealth, we do not recently <laughs> said no thanks. Your country uh, who, who said recently no said no thanks because mm. Barbados was like, no, we're out. We are like, we take our allegiance to Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth is gone. We are out. Yeet us out of here. We're gone. Okay, like, I have a question for you, Ramona. Uh huh. So, do you think? there is a correlation between how the Royals, particularly Charles and his people have treated Meghan Markle and some of these countries like your country, which is, which is a black country. Yeah. Saying, yeah. No, we're walking away. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think men, um, Meghan and Harry decided, cause, okay, let me just state facts. A lot of Caribbean aunties and a lot of aunties from the Commonwealth have never forgiven Prince Charles, King Charles, whatever we're calling him. And we've never forgiven him. We gave him a chance when Harry Harry came up and he married Meghan. We said, okay, maybe there's a new turn. It's a new wave. Then we saw how he treated everybody. Sorry, not he, the firm treated them. And we're like, Mm. "Uh uh-uh, we're out. We're gone. Bye. Mm. And the royal tour that came to the Caribbean was a disaster. 
and it was Barbados was like, nope, we're out. We're who gone. Who was it who came? Was it Will and Kate? So, like, Charles came with with Camilla. I'm going to oh. call her her name. I'm not going to call her the name that my grandmother, my grandmother <laughs> used for her. I am trying to be nice and remember uh-huh. the spirit. Uh-huh. Um, so... <laughs> It's ingrained in my my culture. Sorry, guys. Um, But, like, over the years, like, a lot of the royals came. And the thing about it is is that the Caribbean has to pay for those things. Mm. Mm. So, like, after all of that, realizing we're just racking up money for the royals to come smile, take a picture, and, like, wave at us through a fence, like Will and Kate did. um, We're just like, no, we're done. I think Jamaica's the next one out. Yeah. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it is countries where it's people of color who are just saying we're done with this white institution. Yeah. And the thing about it is I've had this discussion on my classes because um, for my ad class, I took a while, uh, like a couple of months ago. Um, They made us watch a movie about this guy. I, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he plays in the Fantastic Four movie. The original one, and they were showing us about this guy. He's so amazing! He's like stopped slavery in the Caribbean and all of this stuff. And I remember having to sit in a class and explain Caribbean slavery and the slave trade to people in my class from Utah and all over the U.S. I'm like, this guy was not a good guy. Don't mind that they put a movie for us, guys. Like he was not a good man. Mm. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of um the way that people just view the monarchy now is outdated. We don't really need them. Okay. Yeah, I've been confused by um, our the U.S.'s obsession with the monarchy. And it, is it jealousy that we don't have a monarchy? Is it the... Because I feel like we treat our celebrities as, as like our royalty in a way. Um, is it we grew up with like princess stories and so we're so fascinated by princes and princesses? I think that's and, it. I think that's it. Like, I think the princess, the princess narrative that, like, oh my gosh, we're gonna get married, we're gonna have a king, we have a prince or whatever come save us, and oh my gosh, we still have this in modern day. Let's just go for Instead it. Instead of like, like the oppression and exploitation, and but yeah. but we have our own imperialism. The U.S. has its own imperialism, which is frightening and scary. <sighs> yeah, yeah. A moment of silence for that that, <laughs> that thought. Yeah, the. I'm like, how dark do we take this? I could I, I could go on because I my work is with um, housing. I, I work with affordable housing, and so and I used to be mm-hmm. a school teacher. Got burned out, and I was like, wait, we segregated schools because we segregated housing. So I could geek out for a long time oh, about like the exploitation oh. and like my yeah. Well, that'll be a yeah, different. We're, that'll we're, be a different episode. That'll be a different episode. That'll be a different episode. We need time yeah. to bring ourselves to that thinking. Okay, um, I want to know what everyone's been reading lately. So, Carolyn, you were you mentioned earlier book group. Tell us a little bit about your book group. Yeah, so I'm in a couple book groups because I'm a big nerd. I mentioned that I'm a I in my ward I serve in the Young Women's Presidency, and I mentioned that like oh I'm in a couple book groups, and the young women were like what? Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I was in last night were ladies' night out. I was there for almost four hours. Um, so wow. did you have to pump? No, because it was like uh, Margot like knows how to like sleep longer stretches, but Steve got nervous and like thawed some breast milk. When, so when I got home, I had Good to job. like yeah. yeah. 
anyway good job anyway um the once and future witches and that was a fun book i haven't read fantasy in a long time i usually am like meh fantasy but it had some like magical elements within like the united states of america um but we kind of explored for a while like are witches good or bad and kind of like what stories did we grow up with witches um and it's fun just like knowing more about feminism and I'd read a different book called The Cosmic Mother that talked about like the witch burnings during the like 1500s. Um, and so just interesting the ways where it's like, when is it the power outside of the church or like having knowledge of like herbs and being able to like heal bodies rather than saying your bodies are bad, only pray to the priests and then like, oops, you died rather than like having knowledge over your body and knowledge over um, medicines and herbs that could help you be better. And so we burned all the witches and we burned their books and things like that. So. Uh, so I've been reading that. And then I recently read Poverty by America in a different book group. That one's by Matthew Desmond. He also wrote the book Evicted a couple years ago. That one talks about how we all benefit from, not everyone, the majority of people benefit from the, the extremely poor in the United States and that we have enough money to make it better, but we don't because we like our cheap things. Yeah. 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 So, so heavy again. I, I just read a book. Um, I, I love my Libby. You know, I love my mm, um, library, my library app. And so I read um, Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. So she's, oh, I love Bible. her. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a rewriting of David Copperfield. Oh, so nice. it's very Dickensian as Dickens is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just how David, um, how David Copperfield was like an expose on the poverty of children in England at the time. Right. Demon Copperhead gets into the poverty in Appalachia mm. and what the opioid epidemic does to families and children. Oh, oh wow. Fascinating. It is. Interesting. Fasc- and she just got the Pulitzer Prize for it. She's so good. And she's just like Laurel now. She's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, nice. like in the club. Wow. wow. Well, well, while everybody is reading, I have only been reading my assignments for oh, yeah. BYU, no. and I've been watching a lot of Netflix. Good. Though. What have you been watching? So, I've been watching this really good series. My mom and I watch it every Saturday and Sunday. It's a Korean drama, nice. and it's like it's this show called Doctor Cha. It's about a woman who gave up her life after she got pregnant with her son. She gave up her medical license, mm. so she was an intern. And over the years, she just took care of her family for like twenty years. And then eventually, she decides after her husband would give her a kidney transplant, um, because he he's cheating on her, and he has a a woman, <laughs> and so. He, she decides that she's going to take time for herself and she's going to go back to become a doctor after 20 Ooh. years. And it's really is amazing. I think it teaches a lot of lessons about what women sacrifice to be mothers mm. and caretakers. And like now she's learning like how to love herself and to value what she's doing as a doctor. And I, I love it. It, like, it always makes my mom cry. Mm-hmm. That's a good sign. Awesome. Heather, what are you watching if you want to disclose? Um I I watch I've been watching a lot of stuff. I just finished um season three of Bridgerton because mm. I, I like my steamy. 
Um, <laughs> oh, you mean Lady um, Queen, Queen Charlotte. Charlotte? It was really fun. It was so I cool. love the way that it show so where they, they just pull in. It's like, okay, none of this is accurate. So why do we have to have uh, everybody yeah. look a certain way just for historical accuracy when none of this is historically no. accurate? They're playing Taylor oh. Swift on a on the harpsichord. <laughs> Whoa, fun. Yeah. I just like how they Heather, mixed it up. Like Heather, I think me and you appreciate a good theme. <laughs> I watched that in one night. Oh, and like, binge. I decided that I was going to binge while I was doing my homework. And I watched it. And then I texted my boyfriend. I was like, why can't you do this? <laughs> I feel like those shows give like really unrealistic oh expectations. Yeah. I'm like, like, I... I, the lines, everything. And now I'm waiting for season three of Bridgerton to come out. And I'm like, hurry up with the release date. Yeah. Please. It's just fun. It's really, uh, I, it's so you know, fun. just like I like to eat my steamed vegetables and my grilled chicken. And then I want to have a brownie with ice cream. I'm that same way with books and movies and TV. I want to yeah. read, you know, Demon Copperhead, the Pulitzer Prize winning thing. Yeah. And I also want to read Court of Thorn and Roses. Like I, you yeah. know, like I want to I, do all I of it. Like I yes. feel like if I'm like, um, I I feel like if a lot of the stuff I've been reading now is either TikTok and BookTok has suggested it to me. And BookTok isn't always good for us people that love to read anything. If anybody suggests a book by Colleen Hoover ever again, you're automatically unfriended. <laughs> No, I don't know I, that I, author. I Tell me more. What what do you? She writes books for people that use Wattpad, but like people that use Wattpad back in the day, they had good writing. Oh. But like, it's girls that like never like never got over the high school phase and these really bad tropes and these really mm. bad writing, and it's so bad, it's eye curling bad. And I like when I was in Utah, my friend Anna. Who you'll hear a lot. Me mentioned a lot about her because we get up to the most random stuff. <laughs> she had a copy of Colleen Hoover, and I literally stared at her for the whole time. I was like, "What are get you this doing? Get this out of here! Take out of your possession right now." <laughs> Heather, who's an author you have strong opinions about? Her. Um, so if one is Colleen Hoover. Me. Good to know. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mind Colleen Hoover. Um. I, the writing is terrible. Yeah, I I don't care if writing is awesome if the plot makes up for it. Hmm. Like there's lots of things yeah. that it's like not the greatest writing, but it still somehow manages, you know. To, yeah, to I, I feel like if like if you're reading Steam and it's like the Steam makes up for the bad plot, uh-huh. I will endure it to the end. <laughs> Look at me, you no, endure it to the <laughs> end. Yes. I will endure to the end of that book if the steam is. But bad. sometimes the but steam like, is ridiculous. Where like, well, even this. Okay, in in Bridgerton and Charlotte, at one point you've got King George in the bathtub, and then he wants her to get him. But I'm like, don't have sex in a bathtub. Like just the like, germs uncomfortable. So, so like there, there's such a thing of excess moisture. Like a tub. It's just anyhow. No. Or when people are having sex on a yeah. beach, I'm like, okay, too sandy. Stop it. No, that's how you get like those little worms no. that crawl into your feet and your eyeball or something. No. So, like just- yeah. again, it's awesome, but you you gotta you can't. There have to be some rules. Yeah, yeah. 
it's kind of it's kind of like me and there was a series that was based on um the persephone and hades Mm -hmm. and i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now the first book amazing every book onward was just so bad Mm. and it was like i'm listening to people talk about how good this book is i'm like i was like guys sex is not a storyline plot (laughs) it's not i'm like just stop it cut it out (laughs) but i mean i feel like if i expect a lot when i read a book i have not been reading I have been taking forever to finish Prince Harry's book. Mm. I have not finished it. I'm I'm like fifty percent, I think. No, I barely read for fun when I was like taking a bunch of no. classes. When you're, you have, school, you're reading so much for things you don't yeah. want to read, so that like when you have free time, yeah. I would rarely choose to read. Yeah. So yeah, you get a big pass yeah, right I now, Ramona. That. Don't worry. I get that completely. Sometimes it's like I finished the weekend and I'm trying to finish my homework on before Saturdays now bitches a win and then i just tried to read something and by the end of the week i'm like no this is not gonna work so the writer that never disappoints me is frederick bachman he's a swedish writer and he wrote the man a man called ove oh that book yeah there's a swedish movie and then they just redid it with tom hanks it's really nice he's got a lot of books he's fabulous his Mm. book is fabulous Mm -hmm. (laughs) i feel like i feel like i read a lot of romance um novels i and i have a, a list of every book i've read since 2022 and i just rate them as i finish them nice and i feel like just because i write romance myself that is the genre Ooh, that i kind of stick to i didn't know this ramona very cool i know i keep i keep it clean because i'm trying to be sanctified and glorified <laughs> <laughs> but like i like but the thing about it is is that some of the stuff you read, I'm like, guys, do you have friends? Do you have a therapist? You need I was like, this is this is therapy. So, you Ramona, therapy, you say that you're trying to keep it clean. Are you when you're writing your romance novels, are you trying to hold to the rod? <laughs> Heather has a song about that that she might need to sing. So, I, I'm like, like when I write okay, let's just say when I write the characters leave space for jesus okay okay, okay. that's fair that's fair i mean like i feel like if it's just like i and like when i first started writing i started writing on wattpad in like maybe 2008 or something like that and before i became a member it was there was nothing off the table but now it's a little bit tamer and it was a long process of getting into a groove like oh yeah but then a couple of months ago, I challenged myself, and I was like, "I can't publish this. I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my membership taken away." I'm like, no. "Did people? I'm just gonna- did your couples make it to the promised land? Is that what happened? They didn't make it to the promised land before they were doing stuff. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, I was like, I just felt at one point I was like, let's just throw some holy water on you guys because uh-huh. like, this." This is, and that's another podcast (laughs) episode. So I have some friends who they have a podcast called Singled In. Um, to do a shout out Uh to another podcast where it's um, a couple single people, single LDS people talking about like navigating dating in the church, and they do uh, have an episode about like sexuality. Um, I've gone Mm -hmm. to, um, I got married like late for Mormons, twenty nine. Um, but I remember hearing Jennifer Finlayson Fife speak, and she talked a lot about like, and she's another exponent woman. 
Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. So she's a she's a sex therapist, and she had this like so mm-hmm. in New York City. There's this um, they had a singles conference called the State of the Singles. We're just like different different wow. good speakers. This is year. 2013 maybe 10 years ago (laughs) anyway she gave this amazing talk and um spoke about like question mark for strength of youth like is that only for 16 year olds or do we need to keep doing it when you're 26 36 so it's like we have different brains when you're a 16 year old where you do need to give very like Mm -hmm. here's a rule yeah don't cross it but it's like in what ways are you inhibiting yourself when you're not Mm -hmm. growing and exploring and um yeah, so it gets yeah. hazy, and it's tricky when it does yeah. get hazy. I, it does get hazy because I, okay, I would be considered still single, and I know that that um, whoever I'm thinking of right now is probably like you're not single, <laughs> but like, um, but like at the age of thirty one, I'm an LDS senior citizen, like. <laughs> I, I like okay so I go to this like I went to singles ward with my friend Anna when I was in Utah and I was sitting there and I was like Anna I'm too old for this place I can't take it anymore I'm too old for here y'all are cringy yeah yeah it's hard it's hard when our church emphasizes marriage so much um mm-hmm. and I felt like I was and I was in singles wards till I got married and I, I have friends who are like are making the choice of like do you stay in singles ward or find the mid singles ward do you start going to a family ward and even like the language you use of like a singles ward a family ward yeah um yeah. can be so exclusive um it can yeah. I, I mean like sometimes I'm glad that I don't have a singles ward where I live because everybody is in the family ward automatically mm-hmm. And sometimes it is like I'm really grateful for the fact I grew up outside the Caribbean, but at the same time, there is so much pressure on Caribbean LDS people to marry mm. and get married fast. It's like, oh, I've known this person since I was a member. I come home. This person says they like you. You have to like them back mm. because there's no other choices. Mm. And <laughs> like, I feel like sometimes it kind of makes you feel that if you get to a certain age, you don't value you don't have value yeah and you don't get a choice like that being married to anyone is better than being single which isn't true like if somebody says they like you you automatically have to like them back there's no choice oh you're a woman oh your fertility is going down the window like somebody's throwing your your fertility out with the bath water like it it feels like often we don't have a choice (sighs) and then um you know, I I had to unlearn all this stuff when I got to Utah because I was like, Ramona, you're not dating and you're not getting married anytime soon. And like, what does that mean? Does that make you a bad person? Mm. I mean, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah, it does not make you a bad person. But tricky, like when, yeah, our religion just so focuses on like you're happy if you're married and I, I appreciate you sharing that people are like, hey, like, you're a woman, like, so you should like this person back. But it's like, I had a very profound mm-hmm. spiritual experience years ago where I, like, felt like God was telling me, like, I can have preferences mm. with the yeah. people that I was dating. Because I was kind of like, he's nice. Like, and just like, yeah. like, trying to like, trying I, to make it work with anyone when it's like, no, no, no. Like, I felt this, like, you can have preferences. And that was really empowering for yeah. me. Of, like, God loves you enough that, like, God wants you to be with someone that you can partner with and not yeah. just like, just get married. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
and the thing about it is i feel like race sometimes comes in there because um mm. like i i remember on a date with my now boyfriend i said okay third date i'm a black woman with opinions and that is not a popular choice in the church um and i've been made to feel like if i have a preference if somebody says oh yeah i like you and you don't like the map oh you realize that you, nobody's gonna get you right i'm like okay wow. if i speak up for myself it's outspoken if i just have a voice it's a bad thing and i've been made to feel like if i'm a villain in my own love story by the people in the church mm. just because and obviously if somebody else was doing that of another race it wouldn't matter but for me as a black woman who's 31 years old which is they're like oh yeah she's she's given up now she's just gonna be an old maid or something mm. it's like you know we don't have the choice to say no mm. sometimes yeah, uh, a quote th- oh, go ahead, Heather. No, no, go ahead. Okay, a quote that's coming to mind that a therapist shared with me, with me years ago is by Carol Gilligan, who's a sociologist. She was researching like like girls, young girls, and like when they start to like lose their voice, mm-hmm. where like little girls can be so outspoken, and then as they get older, like teenage, they get quieter and quieter. In her like mm-hmm. kind of research, she saw that like girls could either choose to keep their voice and lose community, or lose mm-hmm. their voice and keep community. And I was like, ah, like thinking about the ways that I have felt that at church in the past where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to keep my voice and keep community, but like both of those can, can come at a cost because there is such mm. pressure for conformity and pressure yeah. to not be outspoken, like and, you're saying it and to lose your voice. And women were supposed to be nice and Mormon yeah. women are yeah. above all else. Like you are supposed to be nice and selfless. And so I don't know about you, Carol Ann, but I would go to steak dances and and I was sort of told by my leaders, any guy who asks you to dance, you have to say yes. Oh, my my little feminist heart realized boys don't ask me to dance because I didn't have blonde hair. I had wavy hair. And so I realized, like, if I don't ask boys to dance, I won't dance. And so I would ask boys to dance. Good for you. But I think I made them all feel deeply uncomfortable. But oh, here I am. it's time for some of those to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, no, their turn. Yeah, I I think like Heather was saying with community, like I I feel that like as uh sometimes as a student, and I love I love my school. Before somebody comes for me, I love my school for various reasons. But sometimes it feels like if I don't really. I'm not really able to use my voice as much as I want to. Like we have some classes for my degree. We have like mandatory meetings you have to go to. And I remember walking out of a meeting like two weeks ago and just bawling my eyes out. And like texting and texting. My boyfriend was like, okay, am I a bad person? Could you tell me if I'm a bad person, please? I, I didn't really want his validation. I just was made to feel so bad about me having a voice, a voice that wasn't the same as everybody else's voice. And I was like, I know I'm not a bad person. So why is this person kind of insinuating that I am? Yeah. Well, again, I feel like this is a woman thing and it gets magnified because in Mormondom, we're so emphasize the masculine and feminine in these these roles that you get into relief society. And if someone starts to disagree with someone else, a third person will stand up and say, well, I think we're all trying to say the same thing. Mm. There's this Uh -uh. need to, to have peace and agreement. And it's like, 
we can disagree and have it not be contentious. We're allowed right. to have yeah. different opinions. And it doesn't mean that, that we don't respect each other, you know. But Yeah, I always say like, like disagreement. Um, I always say like contention is good for the soul. Mm-hmm. There is a such a thing as healthy contention. Yep. Because you can address something and it doesn't mean that you want to take off your clothes and like drag somebody into the parking lot and beat them up. Uh-huh. Like you can just you can just have a healthy conversation yeah. with somebody and say, Look, I don't agree with what you said, but you know, like you're entitled to your opinion and I'm entitled to mine and move on. But it just seems like if sometimes when we hear, when we see women in the church, we think that automatically it means we have to be passive and we have to be just silent and just agree with everything and nod and, and, and say whatever. And I don't think it's an institutional problem, although it might be. I think sometimes it might be a culture problem and the culture runs so deep that we think it's an institutional problem. And I could be wrong about that. But- I'm thinking, yeah, and as you say that, I'm thinking about like, yeah, like ways that we're women are invisible, and like the, but then doing all the work, so the invisible labor of like to make a mm-hmm. to make a ward function, it takes so mm-hmm. much, so much behind the scenes work of mm-hmm. getting the teachers organized and like getting the lessons and like getting, yeah. Anyway, I could go on and on, but yeah, that's a really good point about the ways that. Um, like, is it, is it a church thing or is it a cultural thing? And what, what is that intersection? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a hard question to answer sometimes, I feel like, because I feel like if it, it could be both. Mm-hmm. I, but, okay, to take it to general conference for a moment, I get offended when I hear conference talks that talk about don't, don't get angry. Yes. Because I feel oh, like it's trying I to silence that. me. Yeah. And I'm like, no, oh, I can God. be angry and you will yeah. hear it. And- yeah. Oh, no, I, I was asked I to teach that. Relief Society about a month ago. And the lesson, one of the main points of the lesson was don't be angry. And so I gave the whole lesson on how healthy anger could be. <laughs> mm. Oh, good. Transformative anger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anger, anger is often telling you that, something is wrong. Anger tells mm, you yeah, that you're yeah. not being seen or heard or someone else is not being seen or heard. Mm-hmm. And so anger is a really, it is such an important message. It's, so I, I feel like if it's, I feel like a lot of the times we say that anger is such a bad thing, but I feel like anger is a healthy emotion. If you don't get mad, I think you're the serial killer that's hiding in the woods. Yeah. I'm just waiting for yeah. somebody to come I mean, by. Yeah. Like I, like I remember um, when I converted and everything, I remember that um, I got angry at church one time because this lady came up. I made a rookie mistake of taking a picture in sacrament meeting. Nobody told me that wasn't allowed. Methodist church, you can do that. I was like, okay, I just took a picture. And I didn't even draw attention to myself. And then a lady came to me after the first service and she was like, embarrassing me in front of the whole congregation i'm like and Mm -hmm. i was like okay and i started i just sat there and started to get angry but because i was like this could have been a private one-on-one conversation so easily yeah and then after when i was sitting in the release society i'm already mad like 
at that point, Ramona had no control over her anger. So she was just sitting there like a little pot that the, the cover was flying off. <laughs> and this lady was like, oh, are you angry? And she's literally antagonizing me. I'm like, are you angry? So you angry? we can use shame and we can be passive aggressive, but we can't speak truth directly. No, and <gasps> yeah. Something we're still all learning. Let's yeah, try to help each other be less passive aggressive. We just had Mother's Day yeah. and, and you have people get up there and like the nicest thing they can say is like, my mother never spoke an ill word about anyone or never said anything. Oh, like, right. oh how horrible and repressed she must have been. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I remember sitting with a friend of mine's mom when I was in Utah the first time in 2018. And this lady was sitting at church. And I, she, I could see that Relief Society was a triggering place for her. Mm. And I feel part of the triggering emotion that she was feeling was because she had just sat there for so long and she just had to address what was on her mind to the person that hurt her. And I'm like, I told her, you know, you can have a conversation with this person and this could be over in like two minutes. Yeah. I was like, release the emotion off your chest, lady. Like, it's going to be okay. All the least you can say is that I don't agree and you could be mm -hmm. like, okay, fine. But a lot of the times we feel that when we have to confront somebody about their bad behavior, and I'm so, I, I hate bad behavior in the church. I'm sorry. I I think that when people address bad behavior and you, they, they're like, oh yeah, you're not passive enough. Why are you always upset about something? And meanwhile, you're like, I have a right to express that yeah. what you've done or what you've said has hurt me. Or made me angry and it's like i'm thinking it just i think of the scripture like reprove be times of sharpness and afterwards show forth love afterwards so yeah. it's like we have we have that in the scriptures but that's not the one we go to often no. yeah and i like think of my grandmother uh bless her heart um who was the the little old church lady that would go to church on sunday but like if you made her angry she would be ready to fight mm -hmm. i was like I was like, thank you, Granny, for showing me that it's possible to have human emotions. Yeah. Well, Brene Brown says that, you know, ideally anger is a catalyst, that mm -hmm. anger motivates mm -hmm. us to change something in ourselves or in an institution or something else. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky in an institution like the church that maintains this sort of veneer of, well, everything is divine and everything is the way it's supposed to be. And so yeah. if anyone tries to change it, then you're, it's almost like you're saying then the church isn't true. If things need changing. Yeah. Right. Change always I, happens. There's always change. It's never static. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like in the church, just because of some of the messages that they've been hearing, um, they, they do this thing where they gloss over everything. And just talking to some return missionary friends that I've known, there's so much in their life that has troubled them about either the church or somebody has done them something and they just instead of dealing with the emotion in a yeah. healthy way speaking to the person one-on-one they just gloss it over oh it doesn't bother me because i'm sanctified glorified and edified yeah. i'm like mm -hmm. girl confront yeah. that person well, we rush forgiveness we rush forgiveness yeah. we have premature forgiveness in in the church like i like i'm like I, I, I don't get it because when I was working on my anger, thank the Lord that I have gone to the end of the rainbow. Uh, when I was working on my anger, I remember that somebody could do me something at church and I'm sitting in the back pew of the church because that was where the cool girls hangs out. And I'm like, 
I would just run you over with my car right now, but I'm sitting there in my mind and I'm listening to the, and I'm listening to the church songs and I might be singing the hymns as loud as possible because I'm trying to draw the back that I'm like, I'm like, but somewhere in my mind, I made peace with the fact that I knew I couldn't react, but like that helps me deal with my anger a little bit. So like, what are you guys not addressing? Whenever the saints bring something to the Lord where they've been wronged, the Lord basically does that same thing, Ramona, where it's like, okay, let's run him over with the car. It's like, vengeance will be mine. And this yeah, and that. I was like, are we talking about the same Jesus? You don't need to feel like something's going to be done. And sometimes just talking about it and just hearing someone say, yeah, you've got a right to be angry. It's like, that's sufficient. Yeah. I'm like, are we talking about the same Jesus that true, like everybody else of the temple? Yeah. Like, like Jesus was a gangster. Okay. Like. <laughs> He was not out. He was not out here pulling punches and like saying, "All oh, oh my gosh, like let's just do this and this." He was like, "Get the hell out!" Yeah. Like, I had that. I had that fight in Sunday school a couple months ago, where people were like, "Jesus was just so obedient to his father." They're just trying to show like the obedient side of Jesus, and I was like, "Jesus also cared about the poor." The women, the lepers. So just try to bring up like, so it's like we're reading the same Bible, yeah. but when are we yep. finding social justice Jesus? And when are we finding obedient Republican Jesus? Yes. So finding, yeah, <laughs> being that voice. Yeah. Good job. And I feel like, I feel like um, I've done come follow me very rarely um, since they started doing the Bible. Because I feel like if I interpret the Bible in the Methodist sense and not the LDS sense, because I remember being in Utah and hearing people talk about Bible, the Bible and Jesus, and they were putting. I was like, "Can you talk about the Bible without talking about a prophet? Hmm. Can you talk?" I, I was like, "I don't want to hear what President Nelson says. What does the Bible yeah. say?" Well, that's that's like, like what made like that was the Reformation was like people can read and they can interpret for themselves, yeah. and it feels like we're now kind of going back to the, um, yeah not not interpreting for ourselves when i like feel like yeah personal revelation is a thing that we can do but i mean i'm lucky i didn't get kicked out of relief society because this was in utah (laughs) i was like they're gonna kick me out (laughs) so i just left before relief society every sunday i was like no i'm not getting locked up over here i don't know anybody yeah. Okay, let's wrap up this episode. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts? I have a little plug I'll do at the end. Yeah, it's been fun. Listeners, it's thank you. Fun. There will be more. Thanks so much for listening. Again, we are Exponent 2. Find us on our website, Exponent 2. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T-I-I, Roman numerals, dot O-R-G, org. Um, there you can subscribe to the magazine, subscribe to the newsletter, um, subscribe to the blog, see our blog posts, uh, f- support us on Patreon, join a writing workshop, submit a guest post for the blog, write for the magazine, volunteer, donate. We're a 501c3. We don't have a million dollar endowment or billions in the bank. Hope to see you and hear from you soon. Thanks. Thanks.